Welcome back to Sustaining Craft, the podcast that features the stories of those in creative industries. Elizabeth Silverstein, and I have with me today Logan Duval of Me and McGee. Hi, Logan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, what do you do at the? It's a market. So we have an outdoor roadside think back in time market, and uh, it all started with pecans that uh, my grandparents decided they wanted to do in retirement, and so pecans was like the initial start, and then. Produce, so it, it's very seasonal from plants early in the year to more produce, highlight on produce, and then fall mums and pumpkins, uh, and pecans. So it just changes. Just you know, we're an outlet for local product. Okay, and I think I read online it started. There's seven pecan trees on their property. There's, there's nine nine trees there. Uh, there's about seven of them are probably 70 plus years old. So I mean, they're, they're big trees. Oh, wow. Okay. And then they just started um, planting a little garden. Yep. Um, my grandma wanted to do a little garden and no plans for it whatsoever other than just giving them something to do. And mm-hmm. people started pulling in, uh, asking if they could buy stuff. So they decided to expand. Okay. And your grandmother's name is Debbie. Debbie. And your grandfather's Larry. Larry. And Larry has passed away. He passed away two years ago. Um, long, long battle with cancer. Uh, it was, it was rough. So during that time, they had grown it to a, it was a fun little hobby for him. And when he got sick, my mom left her job at Axiom. And what's your mom's name? Neva. And uh, so they didn't have to shut it down, and mm-hmm. she did a lot. Mm-hmm. The uh, social media with local businesses is something that is really important. And mm-hmm. uh, mom really initiated that, and her photos, and it, it just built a lot of ex- online excitement and got people out out there. We're out of the way. We're we're not on very many people's mm-hmm. path uh, to go to. So. Because you're in North Little Rock off of Route 70. Right. right? Yep. Okay. And so the, the pecan started in 2011? Uh, approximately. About yeah. there. Okay. And then the garden kind of started around the next year. Okay. And um, I noticed that about your social media, even to this day, I'm seeing like the, the monarch butterflies kind of yeah. watching that happen. So that's, that's very beautiful. Um, and what was kind of, the process there, how did you start adding other people to the market? Because it started with the produce in the, the garden, but now you don't do anything from your own garden. No, we don't, we don't grow anything. The only thing that's really ours is the pecans for the most mm-hmm. part. And uh, my mom ended up reaching out to a lady that does jams and jellies. Mm-hmm. So that was the first other outside you know vendor that we ever had. And then just it really added after that to honeys and seasonings and uh, even we have kombucha now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just a lot of local people that are really, really good at what they do. We just were able to bring it all together. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, our big draw is definitely produce. I mean, people come out for tomatoes more than anything else, but it's a, it's a way to showcase some of these other people that don't have 
storefronts. Mm -hmm. How many other vendors do you have total at this time? We have probably close to 12 vendors. Uh, everything from, you know, handmade pottery. We've got Red Road uh, Woodworks, who does like wooden utensils, like mm -hmm. pie servers, cake servers, uh, little sugar spoons. It's just really, really neat stuff. We do uh, sunflower oil out of Scott, which is, he's about five, Bob's about five miles from us and grows and makes his own sunflower oil. So mm -hmm. that, that's been, that's been neat to watch mm -hmm. him grow. We do, uh, one of the things that has really taken off for us was in produce, inevitably, there's a ton of waste. Mm -hmm. So my mom and grandma decided that they wanted to try to do pickles and salsa just because we go through so many tomatoes and uh, it just took off. We had no, it, it was just a way to preserve. It wasn't, it wasn't mm -hmm. an idea of we need to do this for business. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just been, it's been really, really good and grown a lot. And you and your mother are co-partners in, mm -hmm. in the market, but your grandmother's still involved. Yeah, very much. When did you uh, get involved with the market? It's about a year and a half ago. So I worked on an ambulance for about eight years and did uh, real estate. So mm -hmm. on the ambulance, you work 24 hours on, 48 hours off. So mm -hmm. I thought, you know, real estate, uh, be able to, it gave me an avenue to work from a very, very intelligent good businessman mm -hmm. and so it was more about being able to learn from from tony more than real estate mm -hmm. so just wanted to learn business uh so i learned more than i ever realized i did but the business just kept outgrowing my mom my mom did such a good job and my and with my grandmother and sister it just outgrew them you know and so i became a partner and moved down here and it's continued to grow mm -hmm. What are some of the things um, that you've brought to the table that have that have helped that? Um, focus, I, I think. Um, really looking at what what's working, what's not, mm -hmm. uh, and then and making sure that we're we're doubling down on what's working. Mm -hmm. So the, the creativity and the hard work and the sacrifice was. I mean, my family, I, I didn't do any of that, but just making sure that we're on the right path. And we're treating everything like a real business has that's been the change in the last year. And let's talk about that for a second. So we met because I interviewed you for an article for a local magazine. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we talked about was local produce and looking at because um, you the market needs to make a profit, too. as a right, business. Absolutely. And you're there's waste when it comes to produce. You kind of have to look at that. So how do you kind of. Um, how do you look at supporting local businesses while also making sure that the market can continue to thrive? So we know we have a certain margin that we've got to meet. So, I mean, it's not, first of all, we have to, we have to make sure that we're meeting our overhead. And so every, that's going to change so much because so we don't have, we don't have a, a space we're renting. So our overhead's not necessarily what another market would be if mm -hmm. they're renting or buying or something like that. So, once we have, we know what our overhead is, well, then we, we can price accordingly. And to us, it's about giving a fair price. You know, we have, to, it, we're going to command a premium because of the experience we offer and the, the attention to quality that we do. So like we're, we're going through tomatoes on a daily basis just to make sure that it's the best tomatoes that we possibly can. Because we're, we're, there's a lot of pride in to the products that we put out there. So once you 
it's a balancing act, really, between fair and profitable. I mean, you you got to be profitable, and you got to make sure you're you're fair. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's talk about overhead for a second. So, overhead is basically all the hidden costs that go into a business. Mm-hmm. You might get some tomatoes from a farmer, but you have to think about um, the land that you're on. You have mm-hmm. to think about the employees that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, your family and all of that. So, there's a lot of lot of things that go into it what are some of the hidden costs that go into overhead well and so going back to i mentioned tony earlier he he said that over and over he was like it's the mosquitoes that get you not the elephants Mm. so it's those little things that'll get you and so it's things like having a refrigerator go out and then you've got a $300 that you weren't expecting that's that's not an overhead that you necessarily plan on uh there's little stuff uh, i mean bags there's so many little things that you are not anticipating and that still has to be priced into what you're selling because that's that's your only means of income but i mean there's insurance there's taxes or taxes will eat you up um insurance that just fuel costs because there's always running and going and to get in places then then there's little things like uh food like you know when we have somebody come help us i mean a lot of times we'll, we'll get their food just little things just add up mm-hmm. and you talked about um tony before too and so you learned a lot of business so who's uh what business is he in so real tony estate? tony's a real estate yeah. uh he owns a business mooring company he uh just an investor good man just uh and what blows my mind is the the longer I've been away, the more I realize how much I learned from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just he's in Russellville. He's got uh, real estate offices from Clarksville to Moralton. Um, just grown, grown. It's a family deal. His two sons were very good friends of mine. And he's just the most successful guy I knew. So I had to figure mm-hmm. out how to how to get in there and learn from him. Mm-hmm. What's, um, what are some of the things that you learned that you realized kind of into practice that you hadn't thought you'd absorbed? focusing uh so one of the things that tony always told me was uh, make the main thing the main thing mm-hmm. like don't don't worry about everything else just make what's the main thing and i think he even had that on his refrigerator mm-hmm. uh until like a few years ago and uh, just make the main thing the main thing and so that goes back to what i was talking about when you asked what i brought to the table was what is the main thing like because there wasn't wasn't a main thing and uh identifying that and focusing on it and hammering on it has paid dividends. It sounds like Tony has been a mentor basically to you in business. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's come up before in some of these interviews is finding someone who has the experience that you can just talk to and ask questions of and learn from it. And mm-hmm. absorb from them. The one of the things that's I've always heard, you know, when the student is ready, the mentor will appear or whatever, but, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. And I didn't get what I thought I wanted from Tony. So the how I thought I needed to be mentored wasn't the way I was. And I ended up building a little resentment. But now getting away from it, I realized how much I learned through his methods. It, it, it wasn't me. I wasn't the teacher. You know, I, I had to learn those different things. And that's been really eye opening to know your mentor knows more than you, mm-hmm. you know, like. Mm-hmm. So you you approached him to learn from him, but you kind of didn't think that you would learn from him. Is that I didn't. I during the time that I spent 
working for him. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was getting what gotcha. what I wanted. You so know? when you were a real estate agent, you were working for Tony. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, I, I did not get into real estate for real estate. Mm-hmm. I, I really did not enjoy real estate, but I, I needed to learn from somebody. And he's, he's a good man and a very, very smart business savvy. And I ended up learning a ton. That's great. For for life, not just mm-hmm. not just business. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think there is a lot, um there's a lot of unexpected things that we can learn from other people, which is why I do enjoy that I have lived in so many places because I'm like, oh, I got this from here and that from there. Yeah. And it's not always what I thought, but I think it's all kind of like a, a spot that you you pause in life yeah. and you kind of take the next step. Well, the other thing I wanted to touch on that I really liked from our interview for the article was um, how you feel about local farmers. So you sell a lot of produce at the market and farmers work so hard um, and they're they're putting so much into it. And some of the things we talked about is that it's a small operation, so they're not making they're not they don't have as much produce that they're they're getting from a much larger farm. Um, and it's a lot, it's very difficult. It's a lot harder to, for them to market while they're farming because right. it's sun up to sundown seven days a week. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. <clears throat> so there's lots of different types of farming operations. Uh, some that we, we work with. So we have a guy down the road that is in his late eighties, you know, and that this is just a little extra money for him. Uh, and he grows a bunch of our okra and squash. And then we have uh, the Chapmans that are in Scott, another local farmer. And, you know, Julie has another market, the Curve Market. Her son, Brandon, grows for us, but he even has a full-time job. So he oh, wow. he's uh, a lot of our squash come from him, uh, cucumbers and different different products. So, I mean, those two type of operations contrast you know greatly and they even sell down at the river market so they they have a whole family that's behind it mm-hmm. and everybody has their own roles in it uh, and then you have career farmers like uh tara staten at uh, rattles garden up in bologna and you know that's what she does her husband has has a has a, a full-time job but she's an organic operation great great products uh and again another good family, good people. So there's so much work involved. And so depending on what type of operation it is, you gear towards how you can help them. So uh, Brandon, the Chapmans, and then at Rattles Garden, they they do direct sales, but they also have uh, you know a lot of overflow. So it's really hard to gauge on how much you're going to be harvesting, how much you're going to sell, and what you have left over if you don't have enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we're able to you know absorb a lot of that overflow that otherwise would be waste or something you know so it's another avenue that farmers can rely on yeah and that's um that is also true of three best bakeries so they just started selling Mm -hmm. some cookies with you as well so they have their own clients but they're also always looking for things like that and ways to get in front of the people that are their ideal client or like a a client that right so we we order about every other week or sometimes every week depending on but so it's a it's just another means of having them branded consistently you know our customers are able to be aware of three's bests and suzanne does a fantastic job 
but that's more income for them. For as, as a small business, while you know their margins aren't as high as the direct sales, it's still cash flow, and so you know that helps. It makes because you never know. Sometimes they're absolutely swamped. Sometimes they don't have anything. You know, there's not a whole lot of in between. Yeah. So the consistency, mm-hmm. consistency works for everybody. Yeah. And so the the word of mouth seems like it's also a, a big help for the market. It's just providing a good customer experience, providing, mm-hmm. you know, the location, but also doing a good job at it. So people not only want to keep coming back, but they're telling their friends about it. Right. Is that also, um, I know that that works in other locations, not just Arkansas too, but it seems like Arkansas, especially central Arkansas seems to thrive on. I really like this thing. I'm going to tell everybody. And then kind of goes from there. Yeah. I feel like, uh, one of the word of mouth things that have been a positive for us is that we're just different. You know, it's a it's a so much you know opposite of the big city. So mm-hmm. people that are we're so close, but it, when you get out, it's a slow paced. It's we're we're just you know it's a calm, relaxing environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that being so different from what everyday Little Rock is, like it just kind of stressed me out driving mm-hmm. over here. The traffic, <laughs> the people honking, the it's like. Oh my goodness. And mm-hmm. so it made me appreciate what people tell us about, Oh, I just love coming out here. It's my happy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah, if I had to be in downtown Little Rock every day, I would be a happy place too. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the word of mouth. I think that's what people get so excited about. One of the things that I really try hard to really get us to implement when I got here is uh, remembering people's names. Mm-hmm. It just, it's so important to try to build up the rapport with, uh, you know, I don't like, I don't like the word customers, but you know, uh, mm-hmm. you need to make people feel welcome and appreciated and just remembering people's names are, it's very, it's very difficult. But you know, when you, I keep a notebook and I'll write it down and I'll try to jot down a couple of little things about like what they drove or, or mm-hmm. what they say they worked or something, just kind of to give some cues on, on remembering it. But uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence uh, People, and that read that book a long time ago and I've read it over and over. And that's one of the things, just remember people's names. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is, that's been big mm-hmm. too. People appreciate that, the effort that you try. And I mean, I fail regularly at it, but trying has really helped. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you try to build relationships with people. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why you would do this if you weren't trying to build those relationships. So we have more regular customers than one stoppers. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's there's people that drive from Conway every single Saturday to come out to. I mean, it's a, we are a little bitty place beside a house. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but just having something to do and, and having a good product and a enjoyable experience. It's like I go to Walmart and I just cannot wait to get out of there. You know, there's and no warmth there. None. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's building relationships. That's what it's all about. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so for what do you look for in a vendor? So right now you, have, you said you had about 12 vendors. Are you always looking for more? Do you have? No, we have people coming all the time. We're we're small, mm-hmm. so we we can't do justice for some some things. What what I look for in a vendor is somebody that's passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to consistently deliver, and they're they're not everywhere. So we have to balance having having the uniqueness of what me and McGee Market is. We we can't have things that are everywhere. 
you know, so, and, and we do, we work with some bigger people, but you know, the smaller people that can grow with us is, is what we want. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that happen with uh, like Jerry's Jams and Jellies, Finland Fire, and they end up getting in more places and get a lot more exposure. Mm-hmm. Well, you had mentioned that too, um, is Fiddle and Fire the seasonings? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're, now they're starting to get into restaurants. Uh, they are. So there's another market coming to West Little Rock and it's called the Bramble Market. Uh, two brothers that are doing that to Rob and uh, David Rice. I visited with them a lot on giving them, you know, some pointers and our experiences. Uh, but, you know, Finland Fire is going to be in there. A lot of our vendors are going to also be over there. And I mean, I think there's going to be pros and cons to that. But uh, we need a certain degree of exclusivity to be different. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard because, you know, you want you want everybody you work with to be successful. And they've got in order to be successful in in a manufacturing of a product, you've got to sell it. Mm-hmm. So I understand that you, you got to sell in more places. You, you just have to balance it without, mm-hmm. you know, undercutting yourself. Mm-hmm. But a, a lot of us small markets, we, we do work well together. Because you're, you don't always have the same client base, whether that's location or that's very true. They're looking for a different experience, or so there's a lot that's going on, and that's something that's come up before too. Is competition doesn't always look the way we think it looks? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we kind of get caught up in our feelings of like, oh no, this means I don't have this, but maybe it just means something else altogether, which is like, well, that's not my client base, mm-hmm. or maybe um, I'm doing things in a, in a way that's different. So maybe people can come to both markets right. or maybe they do prefer one market over another, but that's not necessarily personal or, and it doesn't always mean lost business. It mm-hmm. just means a little bit of a different way of doing things. Well, let's talk a bit, a, a little bit about some of your future goals for uh, me and Nikki. What are you looking to do? Just be more of an experience. Uh, and, and online and be able to, just to be a brand and to be able to grow through building up things. So, you know, if we're able to partner with a local and have, you know, equity in it and build up a product, say it's mm-hmm. a, it's a ketchup or it's a sauce or it's a, a rice blend or, you know, something that is a product that can help grow somebody else and us. So through other means like that, but I really like the the consulting aspect of it we, we need more markets i mean we mm-hmm. me and mcgee can't service the whole state or you know even all of little rock mm-hmm. for that matter so we'll grow through branding really and just this is the different avenues that that takes us whether that's you know cookbooks and books and videos and it we're, we're just a lot more than just a produce stand you know? mm-hmm. i think the uh I feel for a small little business we are. Uh, we have a, a large following on uh, social media, and uh, we can keep doing better on that and give people, you know, stuff they want to see and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some um, is there some testing that goes into it? Like you'll post something and be like, oh, that didn't. That's not what, quite what people are looking for, and this. Is yeah, more. there is uh, always trying to learn. Um, about how to do do those things better but for the most part without getting redundant we're, we've kind of figured out what our audience likes and it changes enough through the seasons that we don't we're not too repetitive on mm-hmm. on what we do mm-hmm. so you know we kind of have that going for us so the the things that are more seasonal is the produce obviously so you're yeah. doing different things through the different seasons but the other things like 
um, the seasonings or the, the cookies or the, um, the woodwork utensils that kind of stays more consistent. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're, so we're a year round, whereas a lot of the, and, and we're not a farmer's market, uh, mm-hmm. as you know, where vendors just come together for a day or two a week. Uh, we are a market, so we're open Tuesday through Saturday and we're pretty much year round. We'll, we'll close in January just to kind of recoup, but that allows us to have that consistency too, where, you know, people can still go to the river market on Saturdays and come out and see us through the week or, or, or vice versa. So mm-hmm. we're able to have that consistency, but it changes from plants to more produce to more different produce different produce and then into the fall the, the, i can mums and pumpkins are are crazy mm. <laughs> they it just people love decorating for the fall yeah. and and my mom has got such a good eye for decorating mm-hmm. that you know that people just get all excited when she's working with them on on what to do for their front porch or by the mailbox oh. or stuff so so there's some yeah so that people can come to your mom for advice on oh yeah and all that oh, and she lo- she loves that too mm-hmm. so. that's great well I think that was all the questions um that I had uh is there anything else you wanted to share no I just think that people in Little Rock are really really lucky with the, the food scene and the amount of people that want to support it uh so uh, we work with so many so many restaurants and you know Loblolly Creamery uh, Scott McGee who has you know a bunch of different restaurants just people who really want to get behind and support the local people through what they're doing mm-hmm. uh, it just I don't think it's it's a fad I think I think it's a it's a real movement and and we're pretty lucky here mm-hmm. in central Arkansas well let's, let's touch on that too, because when you support local, you're putting money back into your county, you're putting sure. money back into your state. You're kind of you're able to stimulate some economic growth there. Yeah. What are some of the other benefits? The relationships. That, mm-hmm. that is what whether it's I mean, we Benny Keith has a huge distribution center right beside us and they come out and that they support us. You know, they buy mm-hmm. stuff from us, not necessarily to to move through what they're doing, but just. The employees of Benny Keith are been fantastic, but there's a lot of crossover there where, you know, the chefs and stuff that use Benny Keith, they got to have a food service and they're able to get, you know, some local things from us. They're able to get their staples and stuff they have to have all the time from, from a big distributor like, like Benny Keith. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you just get to meet people. So Shane, Shane Henderson, Benny Keith's executive chef, he and his wife, Kim, have heritage catering. Well, they get a bunch of stuff for it from us and they they do these uh, chef's tables. So it's not like a restaurant. It's like a once a month thing. And they come in and, you know, Kim is super sweet. Shane is funny and just an incredible chef. You get an experience and, you know, there's a story behind. He, he tells you where the meat came from. He tells you where what produce he got from where and what farms. And it's just an interactive time that that's fun. And by attending those, you end up meeting people mm-hmm. and uh, just the relationships. You, I don't think that you could build these relationships by ordering something online, you know. And so when you're you're, you know, business owners and you know how passionate they are. You can't get that if you don't do local. Mm-hmm. So. That's great. Well, Logan, where can people find you? We are at 10409 Highway 70, uh, North Little Rock. So we're between Galloway and uh, 440, kind of kind of by the airport. Okay. 
So uh, Rose City, that area. Great. And you have a website? We do have a website. Uh, Facebook is by far our most interactive means, and and that's just me and McGee Market. Instagram as well? Instagram, yeah. So um, that was the address, and then Facebook, Instagram, and website. Well, thank you so much for coming to share your story. I really appreciated it. Um, This has been wonderful. And this has been Sustaining Craft uh, with Elizabeth Silverstein, my guest today, Logan Duvall. And this podcast would not be possible without the help of some of my friends. Um, Audio editing by Joshua Kurtz, original artwork by Morgan Lane of The Inkling Girl, and original music by Jim Chiago. You can find him um, playing around Denver under Nomad Neighbors or more of his music online through iTunes or Spotify under Seven Second Chance. Thank you so much, Logan, for joining me. Appreciate it. Do you have any advice for anyone who's looking to grow their business as a vendor or even maybe starting a market? Focus. Just figure out what what it is that you do, what you're good at, and do it. Don't mm-hmm. don't try to do too many different things. Um, make make the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe take some time to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you.